at a former church, we had in our congregation a handful of Korean Americans. In, in my martial arts training, I had spent decades with Koreans and had become acquainted with some of them more deeply than others. And I had some of those in our church come and express to me that they would like to invite their friends, a friendship that expanded into Calhoun County from Etowah County as well. And they wanted to have a Korean food supper and then a, a worship service, a Korean worship service in our, at our church in our sanctuary following the meal. I don't know if it's that way now, but back in those days, this was in the 80s, First Baptist Huntsville had a, a Korean church. And the pastor there came and preached the message. And the sanctuary was nearly filled with Korean Americans. They had their Bibles, much like ours, but they were all in Korean. All of the hymns were in the back of the Bible. And so they sang, and I didn't, I, could, I recognized the tune, of course, but I, I knew some Korean, but not at that level. And you could sense the spirit of worship. These people were so humble and hungry on that night. And then the pastor from the church in Huntsville began to preach. I don't even know the scripture he was preaching from, but it was powerful. And all across the sanctuary, they wept and blessed God for this. I did recognize two words, hallelujah and amen. I recognized those two words from the congregation. It was a wonderful, beautiful experience of how even though in an evil sense at the Tower of Babel the languages were confounded, in a glorious sense the Holy Spirit of God through the gospel and the efforts of those who reach out and preach and teach can overcome that. And the hearts of people everywhere and the needs of the souls of people everywhere are all the same. They need Christ. And hearts are broken at the foot of the cross anywhere in this world. Would you open God's precious holy word to Luke chapter 20? And we're going to be in verses 1 through 8 today and I want to bring you a message that I call the authority of Jesus. Authority is a big thing, you know, especially in the minds of some. And especially in the minds of some 
who feel that those people, that they can comment or be an expert on religion authority, religious authority. So here we are. Christ has cast out the merchants, the money changers, turned over the tables. He did that at the first of his ministry, you may recall. He did it twice. He did it at the first. He did it at the last. And all, all that Christ taught at the first one, nothing had changed. They were still doing the same stuff. It's a little different now, though. This is not the beginning of his ministry. It is the end of it. And he, within just a few days, will do what only he could do. Namely, to be offered on the cross as the sacrifice and atonement for his own. Now, he comes back then the next day having cleaned out the temple of the merchants and he begins to teach. So let's start with here in verse 1. We're going to look at the whole verse, verse 8 verses and then try to extract some thoughts from it. And it happened on one of the days as he was teaching the people in the temple and proclaiming the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and spoke saying, tell us by what authority you do these things. Who is the one having given you this authority? So answering, he said to them, I will also ask you one thing and you tell me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we should say from heaven, he will say, Then why did not you believe him? But if we should say from men, all the people will stone us, for they, having been persuaded, are persuaded John to be a prophet. And they answered, They knew not from where. Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority. I am doing these things. As does all of the rest of the scripture, this has impact on us personally. The authority of Jesus. Who are we following? Whose commands do we submit to? Whose commission are we dutifully obligated to obey? What about that? The authority of Jesus. Let's look at a few things here in this passage. Now, here's what Jesus was doing, all right? Consider, it happened on one of the days. What was he doing? Teaching the people in the temple and proclaiming the gospel. Now, we've gone all the way through Luke. Some years ago, we went through Mark. Some years before that, we went all the way through Matthew. And on a Sunday night... A few years ago, we went through John. Now we're going through Luke. So we all are well equipped, aren't we? With all of the Gospels to know, since we committed all of those things to memory, and we never missed a Sunday or a Sunday night, we know what he was teaching. The summary is here. 
proclaiming the gospel, teaching the people. The hypocrisy of self-righteous people. The absolute need for humility before God. The total depravity of everybody, including the seed of Abraham. Abject poverty spiritually. Nothing spiritually within ourselves that we have concocted or conjured up for ourselves. We're dead. Spiritually, for Christ said you have to be born again. You can't just walk into the presence of God. You have to be drawn, called, rebirthed by the power of God. He would teach what real prayer was. He would teach the truth of the kingdom and he would not rely on the traditions of men. He would stick strictly to the, God, to the, to the scriptures. In the case of that day, the Old Testament. And it was replete with the gospel and with the prophecies of what Christ was doing, had done, and was about to do. He was straightening out their twisted theology. In addition to, you must be born again, he would remind them and he would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. No one has seen the Father but the Son. He has, he has explained Him. He has revealed Him. Come to me, all of those of you who are labored and are heavy laden under this task of the law and of the traditions of men, and I'll give you rest. We know what he was teaching. Spiritual kingdom first, then a physical kingdom. Not one stone will be left upon another. The reality of heaven and hell. You heard it said many times, I would remind you, no writer or preacher in the Bible preached more about hell than did Jesus. So we get an idea of what Christ was saying, and he was contrasting the hypocrisy of the self-righteous leaders who were trying to destroy him. So he was teaching the temple, proclaiming the gospel, the reality of the scriptures, the truth about the kingdom, heaven, hell, sin, salvation, that he would be offered as their savior. So this is what Jesus was doing. Guess who was offended? Same old people. You know, I learned early in my ministry. If people are going to be offended at you, they're just going to be offended. You could stand there and saw off your arm and bleed to death for them, and they wouldn't care. 
Same old people were offended that you would have expected to be offended. So here goes. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things. Who is the one having given you this authority? <laughs> now they're talking to God, you understand. And I read this in, in, in reading up to this, all the things that I read and study and look at. And One thing is to be noted. Jesus never asked permission to do anything. Never. He didn't ask permission to throw people out of the temple when they were the money changers. He didn't ask permission to heal. He didn't ask permission to teach. He didn't ask permission for the people to be assembled under his teaching. He never asked permission to do anything. Because he constantly reminds in the gospel, I do my Father's will. When you study the gospel accounts, always remember this. Jesus in the time-space continuum, in the reality of time and dimensions, Jesus comes into this realm that we know is reality from something in somewhere that we cannot understand, condescends to us to do the will of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep that in mind. Jesus doesn't exercise his own will and he never operates in his own power. This is the humility of Jesus of Nazareth. By the will of the Father, by the power of the Spirit, Jesus thus ministered in the Gospels. All right, so, by what authority do you do these things? Now, Christ has dismantled their religious system. This means that these guys aren't as important as they thought they were. Man, that flies into the faces of people who think they're important. People who patronize. I was listening one time. When I, when I grew up, I was taught manners and not to do things that were ill-mannered. There was a price to pay if you were ill-mannered. As soon as I could talk, it was, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Respect your elders. And I was listening to a, 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 a female senator. I don't know, one of these things that they're all, one of these rabbits they're always chasing. And this guy was up there and he answered the question from this senator just like I would. Whenever, this, whenever it was in the affirmative, he said, yes, ma'am. And when it was in the negative, he said, no, ma'am. And she acted like she was offended by that and scolded him for 
referencing her as ma'am. I thought that's, you know, <laughs> she had to take like eight minutes. And how much do we pay those guys up there? You know, my, my daddy used to always break it down by the hour. You're sitting there reading that book, and it's already cost me $24. Get up and get busy, you know. So here's, here's the point. You know, anybody who, who, who is showing manners, that's just good manners. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. I, I do it even to people who are younger than me. I just, it's just... I don't know how you, I don't know if you could torture that out of me. It's just part of the psyche that I grew up with. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how does she have authority over the people who raised him and gave him their authority to teach him manners? That's what's wrong with that. They don't have any manners anymore, people. Ill-mannered. Everybody's ill-mannered. Well, here they are talking to God in the flesh. Now, you think of everything he's done. All right? he, has did, now he has dismantled their religious system. He has taken them off of their pedestals. He has essentially declared everything that they're about as useless. Useless. With that in mind, let's go back and think of the scriptures. This, of course, this is not exhaustive at all. The authority that Jesus demonstrated and declared leading up to this time. He had the authority to speak to great crowds, Matthew 7, and they marveled at him as he spoke with one who had authority. He had the authority to forgive sins. I selected Matthew 9. We also saw it in Luke's gospel. He had authority over demons in hell, Matthew 10, but there are other. I just put a scripture up there. He had the authority to save people, John 1. He had the authority to judge all men, John 5. He had authority over life and death, John 10, Revelation 1. He had authority over sickness and disease. Well, I didn't even start with the scriptures on that one. He had authority over mankind, all mankind, John 17. He had authority over nature, Mark 4, and other accounts. He had authority over heaven and earth, Matthew 28. He never asked anybody for permission. He was in the will of his father. He never did it unless he was in the will of his father. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now leading up to this is, you know, he's not going to do any. Those, all those miracles and things. That's, he is now just headed to the cross. But he's done all this stuff. This, these miracles, he's done, he's performed these things with great power. Nobody had ever done anything like that. Just time and time and time again. The Bible, we saw it in the book of Luke, he healed them all. He had, he had no prerequisites for people who were sick or demon possessed. He healed them all. And then he would teach them. He had, had authority everywhere. Unquestioned authority, all authority in time and space, authority in heaven as the one at the right hand of God the Father, authority belongs to Jesus. There is no higher appeal 
than to him. You can't go any higher than this because whenever you think of Jesus, you automatically think of God the Son who is perfectly performing the will of the Father. So it's, it's not even a thought that you could have that he was in any way disobedient or lacked authority. It was his. So, thinking about all of this authority that's his, here is the predicament that the religious leaders find themselves in. So answering, he said to them, I'm going to ask you a question. You answer me. Of course, put them all together and I'll answer you. you know. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Now you study the account of John the Baptist and you will find that these guys, the leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, the Bible even says so. They did not submit to the baptism of John. Now what was the baptism of John? John came preaching repentance. John came as the forerunner of the Messiah to tell the people that the Messiah was about to show himself and that they were not prepared. And if they wanted to be prepared to receive the Messiah, they had to come in repentance. And they had to take the place of a guilty sinner. Just This was the same baptism that a Gentile would take if he was to become a proselyte to Judaism. So John the Baptist's message was, you're not any different than anybody else in this world, and you need to come in repentance and to illustrate your broken heart, you need to come and be baptized. This was John's baptism. So the masses of the people, the Bible says even the tax gatherers, all these, they came and they confessed their unworthiness for the soon presence and appearance of the Messiah. And they wanted to be ready. So confessing sin, proclaiming themselves to be sinner, unworthy, they repented and they were baptized by John. Now follow John's ministry. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And so they came out into the wilderness from everywhere, thousands of them. Listen to John preach, and he kept preaching the soon appearance of the Messiah. And then, according to the perfect will of the Father in heaven, on a specific day, at a specific time, in a specific way, Jesus of Nazareth was on the banks of the river. And John proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Messiah. Messiah. Christ begins his public ministry at that point and people followed him and they remembered what John, whom they had all accepted as a prophet, they remembered what he had preached. Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah from heaven. Okay, so here they are. They have been hounding Jesus all this time, these, these guys. Simple question. You've asked me a question, I'm going to answer it, but you're going to have to answer mine first. Was the baptism of John from heaven? Or was it just a made-up thing by men? Now, they thought about this, okay? 
If we should say from heaven, he will say, then why don't you believe him? In other words, why don't you understand that I'm the Messiah? But if we should say from men, all these people here listening to Jesus, they'll stone us. For they having been persuaded or persuaded John to be a prophet. They would consider us as blasphemers. So, what happens? They couldn't say anything. But silence is not always golden. They answered. They didn't know where John's baptism was from. Now, these guys were supposed to have all the answers. In the minds of Judaism... There were no higher theologians than these scribes, the leaders of the religion, these who represented themselves, the elders. They were supposed to have been totally immersed in knowing the things of God, the theological persuasions of God Almighty. But Jesus asking them the question, Force them to reveal their hypocrisy. We don't know. That was a lie. In their hearts, they thought it was from men because they never submitted to the baptism of John. Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. I have illustrations. I'm going to use it and you can scold me later. <laughs> I pastored a church that had, that had come into somewhat disrepair in the sanctuary. And, you know, the... the, the, the the, the, the pews were one color, the carpet was another color, and the big, these big, huge curtains, I bet they weighed 500 pounds, were another color. I'm colorblind, but it even bothered me. <laughs> and by the grace of God, we had, we had had an influx of folks over the last two or three years I was very young, and it just never crossed my mind that you'd better get permission to make things better. I always thought you should do that, just make things better. I had a few folks come together, and they said, we're just going to give the money for it, and we'll do the work. I said, that's great. Couldn't change the color of the pews, so we were just going to coordinate everything with the color of the pews. Beautiful carpet, new carpet. On a Wednesday night after church, the folks stayed behind, ripped that carpet up. We found Moses buried under that carpet, I'm telling you. Been there a long time. It had a big, huge purple spot where a an older brother deacon 
had spilled an entire tray of Lord's Supper cups. One Sunday. Never could get that stuff out of that carpet. Been there for years. It predated me, and I was there quite a long while. So we had a lady who had sewn a beautiful new curtain. And she also was a woodcraft person, and she had made this beautiful lattice work. What do you call that? That's over a curtain. What? Valance. A valance. It was just beautiful. It radiated the color. It was a mild color. Redid the carpet. It, man, it was so fresh and pretty. Fast forward from Wednesday night. Now, this went on Thursday and Friday when people came in, put the carpet on. Sunday morning, people were stunned. Certain people, the ones who didn't hang around and help. And man, the criticism started flying. One of my older deacons came right up to me and said, who said you could do this? I said, you don't think it looks better? He said, I didn't say that. He said, who said you could do it? Man, kind of made me feel bad. And I thought, well, that stuff that we took up, it just crumbled and I told him, I said, I don't think we can undo this and redo that because we, and I was serious with him. I said, we, that thing crumbled and it would take 12 men to rehang that huge, what was it made of? Velvet. <laughs> I'm telling you, they, they, they followed the pattern of the veil of the temple when they made that thing. You, only, only the power of God could have ripped that thing open. And I learned, I don't know if it was a valuable, I don't know what I learned. I'm, here I am today, and it's been 40 years, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But weren't things made better? Isn't it prettier? It was paid for, didn't, ask no, didn't take up no offering or nothing. Everybody pitched in, and it's just beautiful. Nobody said you could do that. You did that. You know, I don't know if that, I don't know what was so precious about it. Here are these guys. Brings me back to these guys. They want to know the authority that Christ had. And all of this stuff had happened in the ministry of Jesus. I mean, when you can raise the dead, <laughs> you've got some authority. And they're questioning what Jesus is doing. Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. When God became silent at that moment with Judaism, it fell under his judgment. Silence is not always golden. For all of these years, for all of these years, someday I think soon, the silence will be broken for them. But the silence of Jesus refusing to answer. Why should you cast 
your pearls before swine. There are some people who will not ever be satisfied. Never. I learned that lesson along the way. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I think I'm supposed to do and let God fix it. Well, here's what happened. Here's how God fixed it. Luke, we still got some, got to go through chapter, end of chapter 24, but Luke also wrote Acts. When God became silent to Judaism and placed them under his judgment, he gave to us the day of Pentecost and sent down the Holy Spirit to fill the hearts of true believers so that the beautiful gospel being proclaimed by Jesus in this temple continues even to this day all around the world. People coming to Christ, faithful servants of Christ proclaiming the gospel, teaching the Bible, preaching the truth. God, lead us away from the traditions of men and help us to follow the example of Christ and just stick with the Bible because the Word of God is so powerful. You remember what we saw just a few verses earlier in chapter 19? Jesus teaching the Scriptures and these conspirators, the Bible says, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do a thing because of the power of the Word of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. According to the Scriptures, if you will admit that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus and call on Him to save you, Confessing your sin. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then God will save you by His power. There is nothing that you can do to save yourself. God does everything for you. Would you come to Christ? Maybe you're here and you're already saved. God leads you to come be a part of this congregation. You come as well. We'll take care of all the details if that's what God wants in your life. Father God in heaven, Lord, bless this invitation. It's yours, it's not ours. Draw people forward as you see fit. And whatever happens, we will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, okay?